You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. We're live. It's Saturday noon. The White Sox are in first place on August the 29th, and I cannot believe it. What a walk-off last night by Yasmani Grandal. My name is Chris Lanuti. I'm sitting here in my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement, and for the next half hour leading up uh, to, well, we're like the pregame before the pregame as we're going 12 to 12.30 today, and then the Sox are going to have their own pregame, and then there's going to be a game that starts a little bit after 1 o'clock, and maybe before, during, or after you might see another White Sox move. They already picked up Jared Dyson, and I don't know if there's a pitcher on the way, but the chatter seems to point to a guy like Dylan Bundy, a Lance Lynn, a Brandon Woodruff, an Adrian Hauser. There's there's a bunch of different names being bandied about today all over White Sox Twitter, not only by insiders around the team like James Fox, who's been on this show many a time, but national guys like Jeff Passan. It's going to be interesting to see what the White Sox do, but it seems like they're looking at this team the same way we are. They're really good, and we may win something. Now, this is the first time we've tried Sox in the Basement live on a Saturday. We're going to start bringing you Sox in the Basement Saturdays. Sometimes it's going to be a live show like this. Sometimes it's going to be live on location like it was last week before the game on Saturday night at Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge. And sometimes it'll just be an interview segment or extra bonus content that we're able to put out It'll always be on demand afterwards, so if you were unable to catch this live, you're listening to it now on demand in podcast form, anywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. And it's brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Just heard from them as the show kicked off. Family Waterproofing Solutions is family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned, and they also Give great socks in the basement deals to anybody that goes and reaches out to them. If you got a foundation issue, you got problems in your basement, you just want to talk to somebody about anything, anything that is like ground level or lower, give them a call. Check out more information, FAMWS.com, our proud sponsors here on Socks in the Basement. Jordan Lazowski joined us on Wednesday on the regular show, and we had a great conversation about Don Cooper. We have more of that conversation here in this program. Also, if you're listening live, you can jump into the chat room and throw comments to us. I'll read them. And if you really feel frosty, all you have to do is hit the little call-in button at the top of the Podbean app. And if you're not listening to this live, let me explain this. Podbean is a free app service. They run our regular show. That's where I get my source feed from. I've been using them for years. They're a great service. But also now they have live shows available where you just listen on the app, hit a button, and you're joined in. I can loop in multiple fans just have an argument. You know, you wouldn't hear that like on regular radio. I can loop up to eight people together on a show and just just start screaming about something. We don't need to do that this week, though, because the Sox are good. First place. Grandal with the walk-off on Friday night. I was at Blue Island Beer Company jumping around with those that were still around as everybody was anticipating a storm coming that never really came. And watching that walk-off, and what a crazy game on Friday night, but it shows you what this team is. If if Rick Hahn was motivated to make a move on Friday afternoon, after Friday night, totally motivated. And I think that's why you have so much chatter going on right now on White Sox Twitter, 
and the possibility, and, and this is coming from not only national, but also local guys that keep their ear to the ground and listen for rumors for trades. There are some names that are heavily being bandied about today as we sit down and do this show. One of them is Lance Lynn. He's going to be the most expensive. He's going to be the guy you're giving up Michael Kopech for. That's what you're doing. You're giving up Kopech and possibly something else. I mean, that could be an Andrew Vaughn going as well. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. Uh, James Fox, one of our good friends that stops by all the time, and talks with us. He, he now is affiliated with Sports Illustrated. And he's also with Future Sox. He says the price is going to be really high for a Lance Lynn. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see what ends up happening there. But here's the kind of pitcher you'd be getting. Just looking at his last few years. Right now he's 33 years old. Or this is his age 33 season. And he's currently 4-0 for the Rangers. Over seven starts. With a whip of 0.86. His... His uh, uh, FIP, his fielding independent pitching, is a 3.38. He's got a current ERA of 1.59. Last year, he had a whip of 1.21. So he's one of those guys, he's, he's consistent. You know what he is. He'd be an anchor. He'd be a veteran. If you're going for it this year, which I think the White Sox are doing now, they don't want to do like a rental player. But, I mean, if you're going for this it this year, Lance Lynn would be an interesting option. Another name being bandied about is what some people have referred to as the poor man's Lance Lynn, and that's Adrian Hauser. He's a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, Adrian's not having a great season so far, but his overall body of work suggests that he's a pretty good pitcher, a pretty solid pitcher, currently on a Brewers team that's sputtering, and that might be one of the reasons why he's not doing so well, although his feeling independent pitching is also very high. His ERA is 4.36. He's got a whip of almost 1.40. He's at a rough start. But he had a really bad game the other day that I think really affected those statistics. Trust me, I have him on my fantasy baseball team. I've been following him for a couple of years in a dynasty league. He's only 27 years old. Last year, he was one hell of a pitcher. There's nothing that says that he gets a a new place, a change of scenery, and puts something together, and you wouldn't have to spend so much for him. One of the other names, though, that I find the most interesting, and I saw people groaning about this guy on White Sox Twitter, and people reacting negatively to this name being a possibility from the Los Angeles Angels, Dylan Bundy. Let me tell you right now, I would take Dylan Bundy, especially if he doesn't cost as much as Lance Lynn. And the reason I take Dylan Bundy is because Dylan's that kind of guy who a few years ago was just a lights-out young star sitting on a really bad Orioles team. And he was, he was a guy that you thought, okay, he's going to be good for several years. I think it was, I'm going to look it up here, his age 24 season when he had the 1.19 whip. And he went out and pitched in 28 games that he started for the Orioles. But unfortunately, it was the Orioles. And it wasn't like they were able to go out there and give him the support that he needed. And he still went 13-9. and nine. Now, he's the kind of guy that the next couple of years, he just becomes average. And he's frustrated. He had a, he had a situation where I believe he threw the ball into the outfield at one point. He got angry and just threw the ball to the backstop three times and walked off the mound. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired on the terrible Baltimore Orioles who were going nowhere. And you go, well, if this guy gets a change of scenery, maybe he becomes something good. Well, we've already seen what happens when he gets a change of scenery. He goes to the Angels this year. He gets six starts. He's got a 2.58 ERA and a whip of 0.88. His fielding independent pitching is actually lower than Lynn's at 3.08. He would be a great pickup 
He's already got a complete game shutout this year. That's a guy that if it, it, you might get him at even a better price than, than Lynn. Lynn, it seems like you're going to have to really overpay. I see people like reacting negatively to Dylan Bundy. I, I would like to see some Dylan Bundy on the White Sox. I would get excited if that were the move that they ended up making. I don't know when the move is coming, but at some point very soon, there's going to be a pitcher added to this team. Coming up here in just moments, we have Jordan Lazowski. He is uh, just a great stats guy. He was on on, uh, on Wednesday on the regular show, and Jordan talked a lot about Don Cooper, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Don Cooper, the White Sox pitching coach, because he wrote this article, Jordan did, kind of breaking down for both sides, is Don Cooper good? Is Don Cooper bad? What is the overall picture of Don Cooper? He's taking me, a guy who's probably seen Don in a negative light and starting to see him in a more positive light. If you missed the first part of the interview, remember, go back on demand at SocksInTheBasement.com or anywhere podcasts can be found and get that. But Jordan is going to join us coming up next right here on Socks in the Basement Saturdays live today on the Podbean app. Remember, you can call in anytime right there on the app or join us in the chat room. This is Socks in the Basement live. Socks in the Basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park and New Lenox, a work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, with a sister store available to you at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Jordan Lazowski is with Sox on 35th. They're the guys that helped us with our simulated season when we didn't know if baseball was going to be around. Jordan is a big stats guy. He also is the editor-in-chief over at uh, Diamond Digest. He's the editor-in-chief of both of those things, Sox on 35th and Diamond Digest. He joined us on Wednesday to talk a lot about an article that he wrote recently concerning Don Cooper, White Sox pitching coach. If you get another pitcher, Don Cooper is going to be dealing with that pitcher, although you're likely bringing in a guy that's that's got some experience. This is your pitching coach coming in. So it's interesting that even though we were planning on talking about this today, we're talking about the White Sox going out and acquiring pitching, and it's perfect that we have Jordan joining us on the phone line right now, and we're going to talk some Don Cooper. I always try to read between the lines with Sox broadcast or anything that comes out of the actual organization. All right. If they if they're if they're feeding information and we all know this. I mean, you know this with Sox on 35th. There are just some guys that get information that's just get fed to them from the organization. When I hear oh, absolutely. oh yeah, and when I hear Steve Stone starting now to talk about, well, what if there were two pitching coaches? And you hear about all these guys that are down in the minor leagues that are more on the analytical side, that are younger, that may have something that the pitchers like that Don Cooper doesn't do. But then you can point to over this past weekend. I mean, how many pitching coaches go out and do what Don did when he's got Alex Colome out there on the mound and he's trying to nibble 
and he's pretending like the two runners on base with a four-run lead mean anything when in reality right. they don't. He goes and walks out there and basically gives them a tongue lashing. I don't, you don't see that that often. So he has a. I mean, you can't just eliminate everything that's old school. So I wonder if what Stone is suggesting is almost a way to start to prepare you for the possibility that the White Sox could have two pitching coaches because you need a guy sitting next to Coop, but Coop might be the one and that guy's the 1A. Yeah, you got to have somebody who can be in the ear of the other guys. You know, it's one thing to be in their ear and be off the field and, you know, it's a very controlled environment where you're learning from them. And maybe that's where these younger guys who don't have that experience of being a pitching coach, maybe that's where they thrive. But maybe Coop's the guy who, you know, as long as you tell me kind of what's going on and we kind of work together to figure out what's going on. I know how to get through these guys on the mound when they're at their most competitive point, when there's a million things running through their head. I I don't think that's necessarily from my perspective, going to be the easiest thing in the world to really teach someone how to get into someone's head while they're on the mound and they're running a million miles an hour up there. So I think when you talk about what Steve Stone says, you know, the idea that you have someone working with the analytics, has that real good analytical background and kind of marrying it with Coop's understanding of analytics, and maybe not a mastery of them, but still having that old school style that can work with those sort of old school type pitchers or that old school mentality that kind of exists in all pitchers, that competitive edge. I, I think that's an interesting development that could be uh, something that certainly the South side could work on. One of the, the things that has been floated recently, and you touch on it in your article, is the idea that some of these pitchers have gone out and gotten outside help, and it almost seems like that's what flipped the switch. And most notably was Giolito working with a former coach who showed him something with his delivery. And I remember when he explained that thing on the MLB Network where they wanted him, he wanted him to shorten how his arm was moving through. So he had him throwing with a very weighted ball or bag or something like that. So when he mm-hmm. finally gave him a baseball back, it had changed his delivery. And people go and they point, well, look, Coop didn't fix him. And Coop has nothing to do with that. And we need guys to think like that because Coop is old and doesn't know what he's talking about. Does it ring weird to you that that would be like the reason you would say Don Cooper isn't any good. I would think a lot of pitchers go out and look for outside help sometimes in the offseason, and this wouldn't be the only instance where that would happen. I mean, look at what driveline does nowadays. Look at the guys who are Kyle Body who started driveline. And for anyone who might not know, driveline is an organization that exists outside of Major League Baseball that works very specially with analytics. Um, really breaks down a lot of the deeper parts of the game for pitchers um, specifically, but also does things on the hitting side of things um, to really take these deep dives into the data and work with these guys and give them a very experimental facility in which to work on building their game. Trevor Bauer is one of these guys who praises it. Kyle Body, who I was saying, um, started driveline. He now works for the Cincinnati Reds. There are a lot of people getting hired from driveline to go work for baseball teams. And the reason is so many baseball teams are seeing their players go to driveline, improve their game, and come out and become better pitchers. So that becomes an untapped market of sorts. Now, I I don't think anyone sits here and says, oh, it's bad that this pitcher went to driveline. On on the complete flip side, when Carson Fulmer tried it a few years back, everyone was like, oh, good on him for going out and trying something different. So just because it happened to be a very personal face for Giolito in that it being his high school coach. And I mean, it it almost feels like people are over doing two things. It's 
overcrediting what the high school coach did. He didn't tell him to shorten his arm. It was working with these weighted balls. And when he picked up the ball, like you were saying, it kind of just naturally happened. He didn't tell him to do it. It just kind of happened. But if you want to credit him for giving the drills and giving him this new mentality, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. And I don't want to say he didn't do anything. I don't want to say, oh, yeah, he definitely told him to go shorten your arm, and this is exactly how you do it, and now you're going to become the ace of the White Sox staff. But the other thing you got to keep in mind is that even if it's that, not that personal face, so many players go out and get different opinions that is, it is not uncommon in an age where so much information and data is available. Do you think that one of the benefits of Don Cooper is the fact that he's been around as long as he's been around, where he almost can sit there and look at these guys and be like, I got shoes older than you sitting in my locker room. And and maybe if he and maybe that leads to what we saw right after Reynaldo Lopez comes off the mound and you see a Lucas Giolito walk over and literally just start talking to him about what he did wrong out there. And what he needs to do. Like it's almost a manage from the top on down type thing that can't really, you can't really expect every analytical guy to come in and do. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm reaching for something here, Jordan, but I'm trying to think of, because I'm always one of those guys that's been critical at times with Coop. And your article makes me kind of rethink. There's also some things that he brings to the table that we wouldn't get from some young guy that's never actually coached at this level. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm someone, I'm very much into the analytics. I love all the numbers and everything like that, but I'll never sit here and tell you that I can explain everything with the numbers. And I, I won't sit here and tell you that if I tried to do an analysis without watching the White Sox, I'd feel it was incomplete. I think there's something that comes from experience and knowing the game and having watched and having experienced it for as long as Coop has and with as many different teams as he has. That would be a benefit to any ball club. Now, does it fit every player? Does it fit the style of someone who, like a Dallas Keuchel? I, I, I don't think there's much that a veteran like Dallas Keuchel is going to learn from Don Cooper. And I think we've seen him kind of say as much when asked on ESPN a few weeks ago, where it was like, oh, what have you learned from Coop? And he kind of sidestepped the question. Right. But it's like, he, he's not going to learn much. He's a veteran. He's already been there. He knows his craft. Don Cooper's going to help him with maybe some mental things, but he's been there. He's been, he's done his craft. He's an experienced veteran. He's just going out there doing his thing. So it, maybe his personal style isn't for everyone, but I can guarantee you that there would be a different set of people that if you brought in a younger, more inexperienced pitching coach, that they wouldn't necessarily vibe with him. I mean, that's not bad by any stretch of the word. I don't think you can expect the pitching coach or any coach in general to really be on the same wavelength with every single one, every single one of your players on your roster. I, I think just from even just in high school and watching people in college, and you're, you're never always on the same wavelength with everybody. I think that's unfair to expect personally. Jordan Lazowski is the editor-in-chief for Sox on 35th and Diamond Digest, and he was nice enough to join us today on Sox in the Basement. My friend, I, I hope you'll join us again someday soon. Oh, absolutely. I love what you guys do here. It was an absolute pleasure to be on here, and absolutely love what you guys do. Absolutely love everything you guys are about.
Want to thank Jordan for joining us on Socks in the Basement. And uh, if you want to listen to that interview, let's say you joined in late here on the live show, we'll be on demand uh, shortly after this show ends at 1230. And then he had the first part of that interview on the show that's currently up everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Remember, when you're in the live room, and this is a new thing for us, so it'll probably take a while to get going. But I figured if we're going to add a second show, let's every once in a while try to do it live on the Podbean app, give people a chance to get in the chat room or be able to call in directly and talk with us. Uh, If you're in there, you can leave any kind of message you want. I'll read it. Uh, One thing that I've seen today that I want to read you is this one here. We have reached a point where the Sox will have to make an uncomfortable trade involving prospects. So if the Sox have to trade Kopech to get a Brandon Woodruff, you do it. Go win the bleeping World Series. I think White Sox fans are getting excited for the first time in a long time, and it's a lot of fun. I get chills just reading that, That even though I'm not sure if I agree with it. I get chills just reading it because it shows the excitement right now amongst White Sox fans. If you have any comments, jump on in. All right, let's talk about uh, Jared Dyson. Jared Dyson was acquired by the White Sox this week from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and all we gave up essentially was bonus pool money for this current year. It was money that would have expired at the beginning of July, but it was extended because of the COVID-19 crisis. So it's not the money for next year for some of the big prospects that they're likely going out and trying to get with their international signing bonus pool money. So it didn't hurt them to go out and make the deal at all. Basically, they were just giving away money they were never going to use. So that, that's an awesome thing to be able to go and do. And I'm going to tell you what his benefit is. Not only does he successfully steal bases at an 85% clip, so he's the guy that comes in any extra innings now and stands on second base with this new rule they're using this year. Uh, He's the guy who you bring in in a pinch running situation. We've seen him when he was with the Royals doing that. But also, imagine this outfield at the end of a game. Even if Mazzara starts in right and Jimenez is over and left, okay, or Angle, of course, will start in right field depending on which pitcher is out there. At the end of the game, you could have these three guys standing in the outfield. Luis Robert, who in his defensive outs above average percentile sits in the 99th percentile, Adam Engel, who sits in the 95th percentile, and Jared Dyson, who sits in the 90th percentile, that's defensive outs above average. Nomar Mazzara is in the ninth percentile and Aloy Jimenez in the fourth percentile by comparison. The defense in the outfield becomes very difficult to get a hit against. It is going to make it very hard for teams to come back against you or break ties. It's going to give you an advantage that other teams don't have. And it's going to be speed and defense late in the game when you need it that you can bring off the bench it's another piece, and you barely gave up. You really gave up nothing for it. You gave up money that would disappear if you didn't use it and you weren't planning on using it with the pool that's still left for that, that international signing money. So it is, it's a great move to go out and get him. Now, look, he's a, negative, he's a negative war player this year and I think throughout his career. He's not a guy you're going to go and start. Like, if you're starting him out there, you've had some massive injuries and Ricky Renteria should never pencil, pencil him in as in the starting lineup. Never, ever, ever. Not with this team. Another thing with the starting lineup that I wanted to talk about today before we get out of here. Today, the White Sox, or actually it was yesterday they did it, and then today they're doing it again. No, they're not doing it again. Yesterday, they had Danny Mendick remain in the lineup even though Nick Madrigal was up. 
Today, Madrigal will hit in the ninth spot, and Mendick will sit down. During our simulated season with Sox on 35th, and yes, it was something we were using. We were using a video game. We were using MLB The Show 20. But there were interesting things that happened that have been mirrored even in this short season. Luis Robert won Rookie of the Year. Even though it took him a while to get going in that simulated season and he took off right away here, he won Rookie of the Year. We also saw the emergence of Danny Mendick. And it, it mirrored something that myself and my buddy Dave, you'll hear on the Wednesday shows, sitting down here at my nine-foot homemade oak bar, something we said last year. Why was Yomer Sanchez playing so much in September when he was never going to remain on the team? And Danny Mendick should have been getting at bats so we could find out what he is. And Mendick is out there hitting the crap out of the ball. And it's difficult to just remove him now and put him back on the bench. Like, I envision them having to do something similar to what we had to do during the simulated season between Mendick and Madrigal, where you're almost splitting their time at second base, but Mendick is also filling in when, let's say, Mancada needs a day, and his legs have not been the best this entire season, and he's obviously dealing with something there. It's been talked about several times on the broadcast. We've noticed it as well. So when he needs a day off, Danny Mendick's standing over there, especially with Larry Garcia not around anymore. Uh, when you when you have to sit down, when you have to sit down, Tim Anderson, do Mendick or Madrigal go over there so the other one is playing as well? It's for the first time we have enough talent that you're sitting around going, oh man, but this guy's got to go on the bench because we've run out of room. Think about where we are just now compared to a year ago. A year ago, you'd sit there and you say, well, about half this team is a Major League Baseball club, and now you're not sure where you're going to fit Nick Madrigal alongside Danny Mendick. Because guess what? Mandrigal is not hitting anywhere close to what Mendick's doing, at least in his small sample size. Mendick's got pop, puts the ball out of the ballpark every once in a while. He's playing a solid second base. We all know that Mandrigal's the guy that was drafted higher, but I would hate to see Danny Mendick essentially just become a guy that I'm seeing once or twice a week. After what he's been able to do, I think they got to find time to fit him in every once in a while. Renteria leaving him in on the first night that Madrigal was available to go and play second base on Friday night, that, that shows me something. That shows me that Renteria is still considering the idea of, I want to have Danny Mendick out there. Uh, you know, I don't want to just regulate him directly to the bench. It'll be an interesting storyline. There are so many fun and interesting storylines with this team right now. With, with Dyson being added, the strategy late in the game, the Mendick-Madrigal question over at second base right now, and it is a question. When you look at what they're what the both of them are doing, you have two very capable players that are over at second base, and you can and and you can move them around the infield when guys need days off. The emergence of Adam Engel, although I still think Nomar Mazzara should be going up there against right-handed pitching because that's what he's there for. Even if he's lower down in your lineup, that's what he's there for. He may come around. I mean, if you look at the guy's stats, they're consistent. They're consistently average, but they're consistent. You know, you give him 162 games, he's going to hit about 25 home runs. There's some power there. If you have that sitting down there lower in your lineup and you're taking him out in the sixth inning to send Angle in as a defensive replacement or now send Dyson in as a defensive replacement in right field every once in a while because you're like, hey, Adam, we're going to give you a day off. Or late in the game, you have both of them out there standing on either side of Luis Robert and you're making it hell for a team trying to come back. There's so many options. It goes back to what we've always said. Ricky Renteria finally has a team, and we're getting to learn now, does he use the team the way that you and I would use the team? He was, he was shaky at the beginning of the year, but our Ricks factor right now has him basically a negative one impact on the team, one game negatively. 
on the team overall because he's helped win some games and he's lost some games. And he's at, he's trending upward right now. So there's a lot to watch. And here's the most important thing as we get ready to leave you here on Socks in the Basement Saturdays. On Wednesday, my buddy Dave sitting at the end of the bar goes, this is where you make your hay. Two against the Pirates, three against the Royals. If you look at that as a five-game stretch before the big contest, the three games coming up here with the Minnesota Twins, we are 3-0 and in that five-game stretch. We said we wanted to, needed to be 4-1 and in that stretch. If they split Saturday, Sunday, the Sox accomplish that. If they win the next two games and you look back at the last two weeks and go, God, this team never loses. The Twins are going to be shaking in their boots. This is going to be a fun series coming up here at the beginning of this week coming up. This is a team in the Twins that was not expecting us to be ready yet. I have a friend of mine. He is one of my kids' godfathers. He's from Minneapolis. He sent me a text the other day and he goes, my friends and I were not expecting it this quickly. We thought you'd be good, but we weren't expecting a challenge. Like he was annoyed about it. We went back and forth. He goes, it's going to be fun. You and I like talking trash for the next couple of years. But I really thought our window before the White Sox were ready was larger than this. So trust me, you have a team that's like, wait a minute, this is our time. And we're coming along and everybody's talking about us right now. Everybody. ESPN is finally paying attention to the White Sox. I don't care if they are. They never cared about them before, but they are. And trust me, the Twins know that. So this is going to be a very, very interesting series. The Sox need to take at least two out of three here from the Royals this weekend and and, and go in on a high note. If they take all three of them, great. If they take two out of three, I'm happy, I'm satisfied. And then we got the big series. And the most interesting thing going on right now is that we are making sure that we're sending Giolito out there for game one and Keuchel for game two. That, That seems to be an absolute given right now, that it's set up that way in that series, and that's important to do. And that seems to be the plan. And the fact that it's TBA on Sunday, that could be Dunning. I think it should be Dunning. But maybe they're waiting to see if they're going to make an acquisition. And that's why it hasn't been announced yet. It's going to be very, very interesting. Thank you for joining us live. If you didn't listen to us live and you're listening to us on demand, you may have answers to some of these questions already. We come out now every Wednesday, as usual, on demand, everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. And now, Socks in the Basement Saturdays kicking off. And I want to thank again our sponsors, Family Waterproofing Solutions, FAMWS.com, Jordan Lazowski, the editor-in-chief of Socks on 35th, and also Diamond Digest, and you for tuning in. We will see you again on Wednesday on demand. Remember to subscribe everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. How many times did I say that today? How many times? This is what happens when I'm drinking tea instead of beer because it's so early in the day when I'm doing this one. I It's the caffeine. I got I to gotta take it down a notch. It's time to do some 108 early today and get that going. What do you think? Maybe? Probably. Man, this team's good. Walk off by Grandal. Friday night, amazing. Go Socks. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.